Good morning. My name is Joe Ott, and I'll be reading this morning's text, which is James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? I know Pastor Kurt Pazer already welcomed you all, but I'm so glad you're here with us. Thank you for gathering on this Lord's Day. For those of you that are members of this church and several of you have already been serving in some capacity, thank you for your faithful service and discipleship to this local body, to these, we, your family, to those who are regular attenders. Thank you for regularly worshiping here and being part of this church. For those who are visiting, we're glad you're here. And as I was looking around the room as I walked in, I noticed little Sela Noble, which is pretty adorable, sitting right there in that second row. Um, some of you have been to church for how many decades? And then there's little Selah, who's just hearing incomprehensible words about an incomprehensible God. And so we are just all glad you are here with us today, especially little Selah. And let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to minister to us through his word. Father, you are such a good God, and we, your children... This larger family of yours, from the youngest little Selah to our most senior saint, some come with joy and happiness and fullness in this moment in their lives, and others come in broken and longing for something and pleading with you to hear their prayers. So we thank you that you are the God who can be the God in in celebration and in lament and help us all however we come today young or old to respond to your word here in these two verses of the letter of James and be formed by them we pray all this in Jesus name amen you've all heard it said at one time or another sticks and stones may break my bones but names words will never hurt me. That is a lie. And actually, you all know that's to be a lie. Fair enough. Sticks and stones, that's, that part's true. But the lie is that it's only the physical things that can wound us. Actually, words can do a lot of damage. And sadly, maybe as Christians, we can be disciplined enough not to throw sticks and stones... But words are a dangerous weapon that we, at times, can wield in ways that dishonor the Lord and hurt one another. It's exactly what James talks about here. And you've seen it before. If you've been with us in this series, James loves to just give you the point right at the beginning. If you have your Bibles and you're looking at the text that Joe just read for us, look at the beginning of verse 1. Here it is. He speaks to us in this language of family, like I just addressed you when we started, he says, brothers and sisters, that's an affectionate title of reference to you. 
He's pastorally speaking by calling you brother and sister. He's reminding you of the bond that you have with one another. And he's reminding you of the intimate adoption as a believer you've experienced with God the Father. So that's a sacred title, brothers and sisters. And then here's the commandment. Do not slander one another. And then, as James is prone to do, he speaks directly about explaining it with verse 12, giving a, a bit of an exhortation to remind ourselves who God is and who we are in response. Sometimes commentators or readers of James struggle because it feels like he jumps from topic to topic. And that's a little bit what wisdom literature does. This is wisdom literature. If you've been with us, we've talked about James being wisdom literature like Proverbs, which can kind of jump around to a lot of different themes. But we can at least say this, the relationship between what we just looked at and this might simply be that the penitent, submissive heart that God called us to be in the previous text should show itself in practices of grace. And a perfect test case of practices of grace is how we speak to one another. So look with me at verse 11, especially that commandment that, I, that I've just mentioned. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. The NIV says slander. That's not a bad translation. That Greek word probably more simply or neutrally means don't speak against one another. Slander is one option among many. For example, here are some other translations for that Greek word speak against. Some say do not criticize one another. Other, another translation says don't speak evil against one another. A third one says do not malign one another. A fourth says, do not disparage one another. And here's an interesting one, do not backbite one another. Now, all of those terms are translating the Greek word that our NIV says, slander. Now, slander is fair, it's one option, but slander, the, the term behind it, that Greek word gets used in a lot of different ways. Again, kind of rigidly, neutrally translated to speak against. And there's four different ways it gets used in the New Testament. And I think it's just worth hearing the, the range of uses of this word because arguably James is intending that we understand all the implications of how we might inappropriately speak to or about our brothers and sisters. One use would be questioning legitimate authority in an inappropriate way. Like, for example, when Israel spoke against God and Moses. Again, they didn't come with an appropriate concern they slandered God, or they slandered Moses' leadership in ways that was reflective of human pride and demanding of rights. Here's another use of the term speak against, speaking negatively about someone in secret, or maybe the way we would understand it is gossip. A third use would be bringing incorrect accusations. This is, in, in, many, in many ways, it's, a, it's assuming motives on someone without talking to them, without knowing, and kind of running with it. And finally, the last and the most basic that probably bumps into the way the NIV translates it is destructive verbal attacks. In short, James is addressing speaking against a person truly, 
but also speaking evil about a person falsely. All of those would fit the speak against, or as our NIV translates it, slander. Examples would be this. To gossip is to take actually something that is true and share it where it's not supposed to go. It actually isn't a lie at all. It's told, it might be totally true, but it, it, it goes into a realm or is used in a particular way that is inappropriate. But it's truth. Whereas slander in the specific sense is to create or spread false stories or ver versions of verbal attacks, which again may actually be untrue. So just hear that command in the, in the breadth of what it can imply. Lots of different ways that for our own gain, our self-righteousness, fighting for our rights, we can speak to or about our brothers and sisters in a way that is unhealthy. So after hearing that command, here's how James then tries to explain the significance. He says it this way, this command is important because anyone who speaks slander to us or about another Christian is breaking the law of God. Look at verse, the rest of verse 11 with me. After the commandment, James says this, anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them, we'll get back to that, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, the law, but sitting in judgment on it, the law. James is saying this, to set oneself over against another, brother or sister, in this way is actually to break the law of love your neighbor. So you're commanded to love your neighbor, and if you speak to them or about them in ways that break that commandment, you are sinning. You are not loving your brother, and therefore you're not taking the law seriously. You're criticizing the law itself. Not to keep the law is to view it as invalid and unnecessary. James is saying it shows a heart of self-righteousness. Ultimately, he's arguing we are called to be doers of the law, not judges. Now, let's try to apply this commandment, at least through the lens that James gives. Let me tell you what I, I think James is not saying. James is not saying that Christians or churches cannot raise any concerns or challenges in the action or behaviors of other people. That's not what it's saying. James is not prohibiting the proper and necessary discrimination that every Christian should exercise in regard to the actions or behaviors of another. It's not like you're supposed to see a judge, see somebody acting in such a way and say, I can't say a word. We're just going to have to agree to disagree of some sort. That's not what he's saying. Or, or the secular creed that is a morphed version of one of Jesus' commands, judge not lest you be judged. Our, one of the most quoted Bible verses is that verse from the Sermon on the Mount. And that verse is normally translated or interpreted in our secular culture as, I won't judge you, you don't judge me. Like we just don't even talk about what is right, what is best for human flourishing, what is good for us to do. We just live and you live in your truth and I live in my truth and we never engage. That is not what scripture say. And you can hear that word judge or ju don't judge me or judgmentalism. And that's what you could think is being implied there. That's not what James is saying. 
James is assuming as the rest of Scripture that iron sharpens iron. And what happens when iron sharpens iron? They rub together. There's some kind of force, a sharpening one applied to the other. That is a biblical reality. But that doesn't mean it's done with malice. It doesn't mean it's done in secret. It doesn't mean it's done to hurt or to wound. It means it's done with a, in a proper way, in a proper place, and a proper process. And when those things are not done properly, then it's sin. But if you see a brother, and later in James he'll talk about this, when you see a brother who is sinning, or a sister who is sinning, you are actually commanded to go reach out to that brother or sister, to sit down with them, to exhort them to serve and love King Jesus. But you don't talk about it in the parking lot first with another person. You don't just slander them around and just judge them from afar in some kind of, kind of legalistic mode. You actually, if you love them, you go to them. And you say, dear brother, dear sister, between you and me, here is my concern. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm missing something. James is also not forbidding the right of the church to do things like discipline. To exclude from its fellowship those it deems to be in flagrant disobedience to the standards of the faith or to determine right or wrong among its members. Again, James is not saying that. James is simply saying that if you actually obey the command to love your neighbor, then the way you speak to or about your brothers and sisters will be done properly, graciously, redemptively, not maliciously, not to gain social capital by knowing something about someone else. James is concerned with jealous, censorous speech by which we condemn others as being wrong in the sight of God or we use our words against people to gain favor or benefit. James is commanding us not to speak against a brother or sister without proper knowledge and proper process. We are way too easily satisfied with reading between the lines and interpreting someone's motivation. We are way too comfortable criticizing others and not being self-critical. James is commanding us not to speak about a brother or sister without proper permission and with a desire to bless. So, 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 so hear that. There, there's the positive. There's the exhortation. I mean, the command is do not slander. But what does the positive look like? Do not speak about a person without permission. Do not speak in regard to a person without proper process. And make sure that every time you speak to or about somebody, the goal is encouragement and blessing. That's the opposite of the command of not. The command to do would be that. Not without permission not without appropriate process, and always with the goal of encouragement and blessing. I worry, and our, our church is no different, and I don't say this about our church alone, but churches can be notoriously filled with, the, with, with a form of cancer called gossip. They just can. Gossip just is not encouraging in building up. What is it about knowing something about someone else that gets somebody so excited. 
And it's not always just, hey, they got a new shirt, isn't that cool? It's like, the, it's like the bad stuff. Like, think about the human heart that way. It's like we like the drama. We like the negativity. We like to know something about someone else. And there's some kind of gain, some social capital, some, some power or some right of privilege that comes with being able to say, if you ever hear this preface, be careful. Hey, don't tell anybody I told you, between you and me. First of all, you probably already told two other people, and it's not really between you and me, because it's not about you and me. I'll tell you what I told you, but did you hear about so-and-so? Why is that so easy? What is the gain? If we were to be honest and self-reflective, what is that? That causes us to revel in oftentimes the suffering or challenges of our brothers and sisters. And it can even happen in drive-by gossip kind of fashion. I remember literally being in that hallway, woman walking by, no longer part of this church, and she's walking by and she grabs me, I'm, I'm about two feet past, she grabs me, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? And so-and-so and so-and-so? And, -so? and, -so? and then, again, data, data, data. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't even get a return. You better be praying for them, I am, okay. I go around the corner here, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? I mean, what is that? Drive-by gossip right there in the hallway. What is that among us? I remember even having a conversation with a sister, and I don't, I don't know all the details, but I know she felt wounded by conversations within our very church among her little network group and felt like there was a gossip kind of reality. And again, don't know how true that was, but she felt uncomfortable to even worship here among us. So I don't think James is just talking about some first century church or group of Christians that don't, unlike us, that are wrestling with this problem. I think we need to let God's word minister to us. Lord, help us to see why we love the struggles of others and love to share that. Wouldn't it be beautiful if you and I were the kind of Christians that even if we heard that news, certainly if we heard it inappropriately, we would say, why are you telling me this information? Did you get permission? I mean, try that in the hallway with the drive-by gossiper. Did you get permission to share this information? Are you sharing it in a way that is meant to encourage or meant to bless? I shouldn't know this information. And what if we actually prayed for our people more than just shared about them? That we felt broken over an issue that maybe we were properly exposed to. And we don't blast it around in our small group as a prayer request, time to share. Well, we better pray for so-and-so's marriage. Don't think it's doing too well. Versus just praying, committing to pray for our brothers and sisters. So I think verse 11 is trying to say this. You and I need to consider seriously how we speak to and how we speak about our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we could have covered a lot of other verses today, but I just stopped at these two verses and said, Lord, these are addressing a particular topic that we might blow right past. And we need to pause, not because it's hard to understand what James is commanding, but it's hard to apply that. It's hard to be formed by that. And we wanted to stop and say, Lord, 
May your word form us so that we do not speak against, we do not speak about inappropriately, we do not speak without proper permissions or process, but we speak to and about our brothers and sisters with the goal of encouragement and the goal of blessing. And if we have nothing good to say, we don't talk about it. Well, just in case we didn't get it, just in case we have a hard time getting past the callous of our own self-righteousness, verse 12 is the bit of the wake-up call. I summarize verse 12 by saying this in that second and last point this morning. Our behavior should reflect a proper understanding of who God is and who we are. And, And the point of it is the contrast. Look at verse 12. There is only one lawgiver and judge. Now notice those are uppercase L and J. That's like a proper name. He, God, is the lawgiver, not you. He, God, is the judge. You're supposed to obey the law, not enforce it. There is only one lawgiver and judge the one who is able to save and destroy. Notice it mentions not just saving, but destroying. Verse 12 seeks to help us get past our pride and self-righteousness by placing us at the feet of God, who is massive and holy. He is the only lawgiver and judge. Sometimes our sin allows us not to see ourselves as we truly are. Maybe just a bad habit of gossip. I wonder if it just becomes a habit. We just love to talk, and we couch it or rationalize it with prayer language that actually dishonors our Lord. We need help through this verse or others to see through the power of our self-righteousness. And who is a powerful contrast? God is. So so look at where verse 12 ends. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? That's a powerful contrast. My boys, when they were about 9 and 11, got into a bit of a challenge like little boys do. I mean, we we didn't have too many of those fights where it was like seriously nasty, but we had a couple where older brother, who's twice the size of younger brother, would like to wrestle with younger brother, and younger brother, to his credit, would never back down. And they were going at it once, and I saw older brother, who got 100 pounds on little brother, slight disadvantage, going at it too hard with his younger brother. And I said, hey, 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 knock it off. And I walk away, and I come back, and I see older brother slamming younger brother down. I'm like, I'm done with it. Tap, you're out, I'm in. And I stood across from my 11-year-old son. I would not stand across from him now, by the way. (laughs) He could just simply beat his brother up, and I'll just watch. (laughs) But I stood across from my 11-year-old, big 11-year-old boy, and I said, all right, here we go. All right, so you didn't respond the first time. Now you get me. And I'm going to do exactly to you what you did to him. He's like, "Uh, you're a dad. (laughs) Yeah, and you're an older brother who's got 100 pounds on him. So I don't think you're going to learn otherwise, so here we go. I said, Ben, how long did he do that? (laughs) About eight minutes. I'm like, go get a stopwatch. Here we go. I mean, I was totally acting like I was going to do this. 
And my oldest son's like, uh, I wasn't going 100%. How hard? Maybe 95. Fine, I'll go 95%. Let's go. And we get in the ground. And he's like looking at me. And Ben pushed a, even Ben, Mr. Merciful is like, are you really? Like, Shh, yeah. <laughs> and I line up across from him. I'm like, here we go. And he's hit the clock. And then beep. And I just went like this. And my son just jumps back. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to wrestle you, boy. But did you think I was? Yeah, for a second. Do you think it would have been fair? No, you're a dad. You're my dad. Yes. And he's my son. And you just slammed him to the ground with an advantage that was not fair. It showed no love at all. No mercy and understanding. That was the actions of a bully. Do you want to be bullied? So imagine God just standing there and saying, who do you think you are? Are you the judge? Are you the one who can save and destroy? No, your goal is to focus on the obedience. Let me worry about the justice. You need to work on you. Hear the Lord say that to us today. Who do you think you are? I don't know how the Lord will apply this text to your life this morning. I don't. Honestly, some of you are probably super good at being confidential. You actually do pray for people and not just talk about people. You've got a generous heart and spirit and you love your siblings. For those of you that are that, praise be to God, you are a gift to our church body. There can be others that maybe that's just not your bent. Your family loves to gossip. You, you're used to gossip. You find that entertaining For whatever reason, you can be drawn to that. Let verses 11 and 12 in James 4 say, stop it. Do not speak against inappropriately to or inappropriately about your brothers and sisters. Hear the lawgiver and judge look at you and say, who do you think you are? That's not for you. You are a doer of the law, brothers and sisters. You are not the lawgiver and the judge. Let your mouth act like that. You are a child of God who is called, get this, called to love, honor, and lift up your brothers and sisters in Christ. Man, I had this coach, Coach Krebs, Guilford High School. I mean, I was raised by a single mom, didn't have a dad, or, you know, just that male figure did not grow up with. And so I just did not respond well to yelling and screaming, and football was the wrong sport to go into for that. They were super excited to have this really big, pretty athletic freshman, but I did, I mean, the yelling and screaming did not, it almost turned me off, to be honest with you. Like, I, I just didn't, I just didn't know that. And Coach Krebs, this tough coach I had freshman year, was, figured that out. He would be yelling and screaming and cussing and literally spitting and all that kind of stuff. And then he would just kind of notice me not, not being motivated whatsoever. And finally, he kind of called me up. He went like this. Hey, come here, come here. Shh, don't say You don't like the yelling stuff, do you? I'm like, not really, coach. Well, let me tell you this. And then he switched gears. Instead of yelling at me, he lifted me up. He's like, you keep doing this dumb, I mean, sorry, this mistake. But I think if you tweak that, you could do really good. Immediately, I felt uplifted. 
And the rest of my freshman year, he did not yell. He'd be like, bleep, 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 click, come here. Hey, man, um, just, you're okay. You're good. I love you. Um, just remember, just remember to do this. Thanks, girl. He didn't put me down. He didn't scream at me all the time. He lifted. He actually noticed that that wasn't helping me at all. I, I'm not sure many of us would respond differently to the gossip and the slander and the put-downs and the joke. Think about the way men, maybe in regular ways, think about locker rooms or junior high, all the cut-downs and the put-downs. It can be a rough, rough cultural world. That's not the way Christians speak. Attack first and hope that you're not looking the dumbest is what it can feel like in a high school or junior high locker room. Imagine the difference of a Christian who doesn't mock every time someone trips on a doorstep or a piece of carpet. By the way, who doesn't trip on a doorstep or a piece of carpet? Or who drops a pass? Or who says something silly? Who doesn't say something silly from time to time? Or make a mistake? Imagine if your relationships with other people were couched with grace and sensitivity and compassion. Imagine if you felt safe to be you and real because you knew that your brothers and sisters would cover your shame, guard your insecurities, be aware of your sensitivities because they love you and they care for you. That's the positive commandment. That's the reverse of the negative. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Said positively, brothers and sisters, be a place of grace. Be forgiving and gentle. Be an encouragement and uplifting. Be a verbal blessing. Be a confidant who actually prays. Be opposed to any kind of gossip or those who do. That's a family. Where brothers and sisters feel safe and loved and cared for. So you hear that this morning. It's not hard to understand. It's not an interpretive challenge to understand these verses, but I do worry it's actually hard to do. Not hard to understand with our brains, but hard to follow through with our mouths. So maybe this week, let me encourage you with a take-home application. You can maybe even accomplish it before you leave today. Find somebody in your church body. Somebody to bless with your words. Somebody to encourage. Maybe, maybe a statement you say now. Maybe it's somebody new that you don't know sitting here among you. Or actually somebody that maybe you recognize their face. You've totally forgotten their name. And you are just going to build a bond with your brother and sister even before you walk out the door today. Maybe you write a note to somebody in the church family that has just blessed you or blesses this body and you want to encourage them. Like you're trying to do positively what James is hoping happens. That you and I speak to and about one another with encouragement and blessing. Not with slander or self-gain. That we honestly honor one another as children of the Father. The way, to be honest, that you would want to be treated. Love your neighbor as yourself. How would you want to be spoken to? How would you want to be spoken about? Now find someone this week and speak to them that way, as the family of God should. Let's pray.
Father, you are such a good God. And even though we are self-righteous in our place, in our judgmental attitudes, in our in the darkness of our heart that we revel, even if we don't admit it, Father, we we revel in the calamity of other people. Lord, Lord, what is wrong with our hearts when the brokenness of another family or a person's marriage or a person's own walk with Christ is something we find entertaining? Father, forgive us for the way that we speak about and speak to one another and help us this week to take this text and to speak blessing and encouragement to our siblings in Christ, to your children, Father, to our brothers and sisters. Thank you that Jesus, when he had the full right to condemn us out of his righteousness, he covered our shame. He took upon himself the wrong and the sin. He never spoke a word of anger And he graciously bestowed upon us compassion and grace. Father, would you form us at Hope Evangelical Free Church to be a people that reflect the encouragement and blessing of words that we saw in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.